Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. algorithm is really weird and uh, so i was like i'm i'm searching through and <laughs> you don't even want to see my youtube history it's like all over the fucking place uh particularly because it's the same login that i use on my xbox in the living room so when john's looking at youtube it's like random shit pops in there <laughs> but uh there's these star trek rumor shows that are on there and I, and I was like, going, Ugh, listening to this, and they're like, um, they were like, these were some old episodes, and one was like, Star Trek Discovery going into full reshoots because CBS is, realizes just a complete shit show it is. And, and other ones saying that, uh, yeah, you know, uh, the Picard series is already under, is already having issues. And I've seen those, those, uh, those ones. Yeah, and I'm just like, what is with all this hate? Like every single one of them is all based on discovery and just hates it. Like, it's like, Oh my God. It's like, you guys have nothing else to do. And they're like my sources. And I trust my source. I was like, motherfucker, if your past shows said this, it's like, no, if they were to do massive reshoots, it wouldn't have come out in like a month. You know, it's like, it, it that, that's, that's just not how it works. Cause the guy said, uh, one of the shows was that in November, it was like late November. They said that they're going to go into massive reshoots because the storyline is complete and utter shit. And the, 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 the execs and the board isn't happy because it's a complete shit show. They're realizing what everybody else has already known and all that other shit. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then he says, so it's going, you know, they're going under massive reshoots. They're going to put in more money to try to save the show. And I was, and I'm like, okay, this is mid, this is mid to late November. On Christmas Eve, Michael tweeted out a picture that said, uh, just finished Discovery, uh, can't wait till the season comes out, and then three weeks later, the episode comes out. If they were supposed to go under massive reshoots, you can't do that in like a month. No. You know, you're doing 14 episodes, no. There's no way you're going to redo that in a month. It's like, oh, it's like, what the fuck is with this hate? Like, it's just like, oh, because it's not the next generation? You, that that's the problem. Well, I think too because you'll get more clicks. 
Like I think I think a lot of a lot of the news now is even more sensationalized because they just they're just looking for people to click on it. Yeah. Like it's it gets ridiculous. And then and then you have a lot of people that they'll see one thing and then make an assumption and now that's news. Right. It's like what makes you the fucking expert on what's going on <laughs> in Hollywood? Like fucking hey. And uh, and like uh, what was it? One of my friends was like um Oh, listen to last week's episode where I said we had no journalistic integrity because we're not a journalistic site. And uh, and they were like, they're like, you know, you really didn't have to say that. And then I was like, why? And then I go, I mean, we've been doing this for over eight years. You know, it's like I'm pretty sure everybody knows at this point. She's like, because it doesn't matter what you say. You can sit there and say at the beginning of every show, we're not a journalistic web um, site or, or podcast. And they're going to cite you for it anyway. Yeah. And then I go, yeah, that's why we just give the blurb of the story and the rest is our opinion, you know, and I and, and I go specifically now because it's like with a lot of the blogs that I've been posting on there, it's been trying to kind of take out the fanboy bullshit. It's like I go, I'm getting so sick and tired of this clickbait shit that I'm just really kind of just like, this is it. And this is, you know, and then the then the commentary comes in afterwards of like, well, you know, they said this back then and they said this. So it's kind of like, you know. I don't really buy that this is going to happen or I'm, I'm, I've, I've, for the most part, I've stopped reporting uh, rumors. I just stopped. Cause it, you're, you, you're down a dangerous road when you do stuff like that. You right. know what I mean? Like it, unless you end up looking like a fucking asshole. Right. For one, which, you know, if you're, if you watch, if you know, if you go to heroic Hollywood, they make assholes on themselves every day. <laughs> and uh, I still, you know, some people are still like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I, I look at them. It's like, really? They were the ones said that they had it confirmed that Christian Bale was going to be in Justice League. Like, seriously? Like, you know, it's like, come on, guys. What are you doing? And I, I'm just like, you know, unless it's, like, substantial that I'll write a, literally a clickbait. I'll even, you know, like, when I did the Disney was thinking of closing Marvel Comics. I was like, this is clickbait. <laughs> and then I give the title. And then it's like, you know, then it's just like I explain why it's click, clickbait. It just like it's just like oh my god I'm I'm so like I'm really so over all this shit. Yeah, it's and and the sad thing is it's not going away. Yeah, you know it's it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. And the the good thing is is something about society kind of tries to auto correct itself, where the more and more this bullshit news comes out of comes out of comes out. Mm-hmm. You'll have people that go that now go. Their selling point, their niche, their 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 shtick is right. integrity. Right. You know, and then people will go, "Oh, that's cool." You know, so the it's Wall Street like Journal's niche is integrity. <laughs> that's right. their niche. That's the Wall Street Journal and the Washington right. Post's niche. And they are solid news sources. Yeah. You know, and they they still they have opinion pages that are still clear clearly stated as opinion. Yeah. You know, and, like and somebody and, goes, somebody one time goes, "What?" Um, they're like, oh, I see this all the time. What does op-ed mean? Opinion editorial douchebag. <laughs> because everything's an opinion editorial now. Right. And you, you have um, – people don't even know how to read the news anymore. Like if you if you show a lot of people nowadays an actual news or something from the Washington Post, something like that, the way it's like written is difficult for them to read probably because it's not telling you to say to think anything. Right. It's just literally telling you what happened. Well, it's like, and that's it's it. like looking at the AP app, you know, the Associated Press. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you read that app and you read their news. It's just five people died in a in a brush fire here. No, you know, no comment as to what started it. That's it. You know, and you're kind of like, okay, you know, just the facts. And it's like, well, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. And it's just like, you're not supposed to. You're supposed, this is information. You know, you take that information and then form your own opinion. They don't tell you how to feel. It's not Fox News or MSNBC. Like, that, those are the ones that are tell you, this is how you need to feel. Okay. Do I feel outraged? Do I, do, do I feel outraged about fire? I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how yeah, I'm supposed to. And that's the weird thing because the news is supposed to provide you with pure, unbiased, unemotional information. The way you feel about it is your, is your choice. But nowadays, people don't even want to make that choice. Right. You know, they're like, no, that's too much. Like, how, how should I feel? That's a bitch. Right. <laughs> like, you need to figure Society that out. Society is so insecure about coming up with their own opinion. They have to, they have to, uh, what do you call it, obfuscate to somebody else. You know, it's like, we have to, well, I don't really, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to feel. Like, I feel like I should be, I should be blaming fire, you know, but then at the same time, I feel like I should be blaming those people for being in there when it caught fire. But right. I, I really don't know. And then somebody comes along. Fire is the is the the root cause of all of our problems. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Fire. I'm against fire. You know, it's like what the fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and and a lot of it it worries me too because what informs how you feel about news is your moral compass and your integrity and what you feel is important. And if you can't, if we have people that can't even make up their own decisions on information what's guiding them yeah you know because it's really not difficult for me to come up with an opinion on something (laughs) i have no issue with that it's like in the the show coupling where um uh steve's girlfriend gave him a pan uh pattern a pattern book because she wanted to have furniture done up in certain patterns she's like you know what are what are your what are your opinions on this he's like well I um I almost had an opinion on this this plaid right here but I I, I really couldn't I really can't. <laughs> like I can't yeah. form an opinion on that. <laughs> there's there's some there have been some scientific studies that have said that you know most people are followers. Not in a bad sense, but it's getting more and more difficult for the mass majority of humanity to sort through things. Because we're getting bombarded with information and choices. And it's already been a fact that when you wake up in the morning, you can only make X amount of choices. Yeah. And that's why they say social media is kind of a shit show because you're wasting so much of your your kind of like your bank of choices (laughs) on dumb shit. And then by the the time you need to make an actual choice, you're like, I I can't even deal with the shit. Right. You know? And – um. Is it Yanni or Laurel? Right. Like, you know, and, and you're, you're stuck with this shit. And then at the same time, you're like, I, can't, I, I spent so much time on that, I can't even decide what I want for lunch. Like, exactly. you know, it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Uh, all right. Welcome, everybody, to the Lazy Geeks. I'm Stephen Vargas. I'm Adam Riley. All right. So um, I guess uh, we're going to... Oh, uh, real quick. There's something. It's not on the show notes, but uh, I'm kind of retooling some of the... I guess, uh, 
language that's used on the podcast. If you're going back and downloading some other podcasts, you're going to notice their name changes are kind of happening in there. Uh, I've been, I was kind of going through, there was a thing that iTunes wanted people to do. And because, you know, iTunes has to be different the way they catalog episodes, they have their own section in, in, in hosting. So you basically, essentially you took out episode numbers and you didn't put in your like title of your show. You just got to put in the episode title, um, a description of it, and then you catalog it by season, episode, and it's all cataloged differently for them. So I had to kind of do that. And when I was doing that for the like past 300 episodes, I noticed there was funky stuff that I, that was going on in there. Like it was the Lazy Geeks podcast. And then for some reason, I just, for a good chunk of like a year or two, I left out the and just had Lazy Geeks podcast. And I, you know, so I'm like, okay. So I started going through and I'm kind of uniforming everything up. So it's taken some time. I think I'm at episode 190 right now. Uh, and I've been going through since the reboot. And I'm, I'm uniforming them now to basically just say the Lazy Geeks number 36, the Lazy Geeks number 37. And I'm uniforming it all to have the same name that we have now. And I'm also fine-tuning some of the stuff in Apple. So hopefully that will help search and stuff like that. But if you download some of our old stuff, you'll start seeing that. And that's the change. It's like I'm trying to uniform everything up. And that's kind of what I've been doing with the website. You know, it's like I'm trying to have everything kind of uniform now. So if you start doing that and you see that, you know, that's why. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. You're in the know. You're uh, welcome. You're welcome. Exactly. All right. So um, I, I want to do a quick follow-up on a story we did last year. In episode 317, Beware of Those Microsoft Updates, we told you about a guy that was selling jailbroken PS4 consoles because he felt you didn't need to pay for games ever. Well, he sold some to Sony, and then they sued him for it. Last week, he was sentenced in court $16,800 in statutory damages. He must also pay $1,608 in attorney fees and $1,250 in costs. Sony ha could have sought a maximum recovery of $390,000 in statutory damages for DMCA violations concerning two modified consoles as well as the 76 preloaded unauthorized game copies. But they only sued him for just under 20000 Not only that, he was banned from developing, marketing, and selling any infringing PS4 games or code nor is he allowed to offer any jailbreak or modded services and products related to the PS4. And so that's only $800 for two consoles and $200 for each of the 76 pre-installed pirated video games. Fucker got off light. Yeah. Like Sony could have taken him straight to the woodshed, but they were just like, don't fucking do this again, basically. So I was like, damn. When I saw that, I was like going, oh, I wonder how they're going to screw him. And I was just like, really? Just under 20 grand? Like, damn. That was nice of Sony. Yeah, I mean, especially in today when um, when these people are getting cracked down on. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, so it's, it's kind of interesting that it, it wasn't that big of a sentence. Maybe they're giving up. <laughs> Maybe they're finally <laughs> like, what's the point anymore? You know? <laughs> right. And the thing is, is nobody's modding Xbox Ones because... Why bother? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know. The, the modding scene for me for consoles has always been cool, but I always find it cooler when it's the previous generation's console. 
Oh, right, yeah. Like, because no one's using it anymore. Right. And, but and you it, run into a lot of issues when you're trying to do it with the current one. And, and I kind of don't blame them. And that's like, an expensive mistake, you know. too. That's an expensive mistake if you fuck up. Right. And I, I don't really blame the companies for kind of getting upset. Because they're dealing, if you really think about it, they're dealing with a lot of digital rights that they don't own. Yeah. You know, a lot of these games, they're, you know, they're owned by other publishers. And it, it, it becomes weary for people. When they're like, okay, do I want to put my product on your thing? Because it seems like everyone's over here stealing. Like, to people who don't understand what's going on, and that is something that goes on too, in a small extent, is is the theft of video games. But um, for for those that really don't know, like the execs of these companies, um, they think that that's all that's going on, you mm-hmm. know. And then they go, well, fuck this, you know. Which I remember a lot of uh, this reason why you see a lot of games aren't on PC, like yeah. they're console only. Yeah, because they're better, uh, better ways to protect it than they Which do. They're, with... get, they're getting better at. Yeah, at getting more um, games on PC. But we've we've all been through shitty fucking PC game eras, like the the games for Windows era, where fucking the <laughs> the DRM itself, like you can't even the, fucking um, brick your computer. The, the cop for, for example, the copy of Grand Theft Auto Four on Steam is a games for Windows um, or games for Live or whatever. Um, version of the game, you can't even play it. I like, remember it, those, yeah. Because that system doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so I guess we'll just jump right into our short takes. So, while Sony is the only subscription service that offers you two free games a month, down from six, Nintendo Switch Online is offering you three retro games. According to IGN, the three new games will be Super Mario Brothers, The Lost Levels, Punch Out and Star Soldier. I was, uh, so I mean, I was looking at that. I was like, "What? Damn, Punch Out and Super yeah. Mario Brothers? Like the Lost Levels?" I was like, "Damn." Yeah, I'm down. That Lost the Lost Levels one was fucking dope, dude. dude that was the orig- be- that was the Japanese original Mario Brothers too, right? Right. That yeah. was the one with the poisonous mushroom. Ah, that's yeah. what, that's the thing that people usually remember from it. <laughs> um. Sorry if I if I seemed a little distant, everybody. I was I was texting all of my children who were not answering me to turn the music down and keep it down in the fucking hall. <laughs> it was distracting the shit, and my son finally answered. He's taking care of it. Um, <laughs> he texts back, "I got you, I got, you. I got you, bro." <laughs> now, Star Soldier is one I've never played, um, and I've also never played the the edition of Punch Out without Mike Tyson. Oh, right. But I mean is really no different in gameplay. Yeah, that was the thing is like I was go- when I was going for an image for Punch-Out I was like, "Wait, this is the one without Tyson because I kept coming up with the ones with Mike Tyson." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, Mr. Dream, that's the one that this one's featured, Mr. Dream. That's the the other guy." But yeah, I kept like going, "Wait, no, this is the one without Mike Tyson." So I had to basically look for a white guy. <laughs> yeah, which is really all they did. They they changed the the color of the guy and then they um uh put a different head on him. He actually looks a lot like Rocky Balboa. That was never confirmed that that's what they were going for, but a lot of people feel that way. Um, Star Soldier is a shoot 'em up video game. So for new school gamers, um, shoot 'em up does not mean you have a gun in your hand and you're walking around. A shoot, a shoot 'em up is uh, where you have a little ship at the bottom and you're shooting things coming at you. Um, awesome Galaga, genre. Galaga, asteroids. Yeah. Right. Awesome fucking genre, and I'm happy um, one of those is coming uh, to the Switch. Um, I, I'm loving my Switch still, so, you know, whatever, whatever. 
Moving right along. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sega announced that a retro version of its Sega Genesis console is coming later this year. The Sega Genesis Mini in the U.S. and the Mega Drive Mini in Japan will hit stores on September 19, 2019. The U.S. version will retail for $79 and come with a pair of three-button USB controllers. No official announcement of games as confirmed, but Kotaku claims the U.S. version will include Altered Beast, Castlevania Bloodlines, Comic Zone, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Echo the Dolphin, Gunstar Heroes, Shining Force, Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Harrier 2, and Toe Jet Mineral. Um, where did Kotaku get this information? They pretty much just put a list of games that better be on the <laughs> Sega Genesis Mini. Like, let's keep it real. Like, they're going to get most of these right. They, right. I could have named these out. Come on. Off now. the top of your head. <laughs> I'm a Genesis head. I know what's what's what, Brett. Although, Come on I got to admit, the Japanese one, Mega Drive Mini, just sounds a little like oxymoronic, it. you know? <laughs> it sounds like... Mega Drive Mini. Right. <laughs> it sounds like a giant dildo, but there's no batteries in it. <laughs> oh, that kind, you know, that, there's, yeah. there's some kind of disappointment. <laughs> a giant dildo that runs on, like, watch batteries, you know? <laughs> Doesn't have much power on it, but you know, whatever. Oh man! All right, so tickets for Avengers Endgame went on sale this week at five a.m. Pacific time. Within, I, the- I do, I do want to say I'm going to interrupt Steve rudely, but importantly, my tickets for Endgame were purchased. So, <laughs> going with the whole crew, sadly. Not with my homie Steve because we separated by state lines. Yeah, I'm going with my crew over here. We're, and we're a restraining order. Huh? And a restraining order. That's right. <laughs> Stay away from me, Steve. Um, uh, we're going on um, the Monday after uh, the after the day it comes out, and, and we're all playing hooky from work. Oh, nice. Yeah, we all took a vacation day. So <laughs> There you go. Uh, uh, within the first hour of sales, it quickly became the highest selling ticket for retailers ever. Reports claim that people were experiencing slowdowns and waiting for confirmations for over an hour. AMC's own service actually crashed due to the volume. Let's be honest about one thing. Is anyone surprised? I would be surprised if it wasn't breaking the internet. Endga- uh, Avengers Endgame hits theaters on October 26th with the evening showing on the 25th. I wouldn't be surprised if Endgame's the biggest comic book movie to date because not only is it a Marvel movie and, and they've been incredibly great, but also, it's the it's the culmination. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and I think everyone wants to see this movie. Well, there's a lot of people that um, that I know, particularly particularly females, that go well. Ew, you know, I kind of that kind of went that like well, I knew about them, but I never really went. But they ended up going because like everybody was talking about in game uh, Infinity War, and they went to Infinity War, and they were like blown away. So now they went are going back and watching all the other yeah. Marvel movies, and then. You know, going to going to go see Endgame. So it's it's one of those things where you, it's like it's going to be fucking huge. You've actually just explained um, what my wife is doing, and uh, mm-hmm. the, the movie she really wasn't into him. Um, it was just one of those things her husband likes, like that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and she had seen him kind of off like and girl on, and never girl. really, huh? Like girl on girl, just one right. of those things my husband likes, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> The one that got her into it actually was Black Panther because my um my youngest son's famous favorite superhero is Black Panther. And um so he wouldn't shut up about Black <laughs> Panther. And my um my wife's like, Okay, we can watch it together or whatever, because um when it came out on Netflix. 
And she was like, this is really good. And I said, yeah, you should watch the other ones. And then she watched the Avenger movies. There's, there's a few she hasn't seen. Yeah. And there's a few she doesn't like. You know, but um, she uh, she said overall it's for, it was awesome. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we, we know. <laughs> yeah. You know, welcome. Preaching to the choir um, here. <laughs> right. Uh, but she's also the perfect example of why the DC films, a lot of those didn't work because she was confused. Yeah. She had no fucking idea what was going on. And I spent half of, <laughs> like, BVS fucking explaining what was going on. That's one of the things that I think Marvel really has kind of done well with is they've given the fan service for certain things, maybe certain sayings or just little things that you, yeah. you know. But overall, they assume that everybody is coming into this brand new and then we'll throw in this little, you know, this little stuff for, for the real fans, the ones that'll, that will totally appreciate it. And like I, I had um, I had to explain a little bit of stuff to my wife on the Marvel stuff, but keep in mind she was watching them out of sequence, you know. Oh, so yeah. there's a few references. She was like, "Wait, what?" Like, mm-hmm. Or she just didn't know who a character was. And my wife is one of those movie watchers that's impatient, so she doesn't <laughs> want to watch the story. She wants to know now. Right. So I'm like, "Oh, okay." You know. <laughs> and I've seen the movie already, so I'm okay with it. When I haven't seen the movie, I tell everyone to shut the fuck up. Oh, that's I why I usually go see a movie first by myself. <laughs> it's the same thing what happens particularly now because like my brother and I watch uh, Star Trek Discovery, or sometimes you know we're watching a, a new movie together. And then he's like, well, what's going on with there? And I go, I don't know. I'm watching at the same time you are. And he's like, oh, well, I thought you already went online and knew. So I was like, no, then why would I be watching it if I already and then knew? Part of, that, part of that, Bob, and maybe it's because I grew up mostly reading books, but I value the art of storytelling. Yeah. So when I'm watching something and someone just like, oh, I don't want to wait, what was it? And even if I know, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And watch the show. Yeah, like, like they they film the show <laughs> in a specific way to, to to have you figure the fucking story out. It's the same. Yeah, same. T- sometimes I'll even do that with my brother. My brother will be like, you know, well, well, is that coming back? I'll just stay quiet. Yeah, just you know, don't say just shit. Don't say shit. Or I just say I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, the the a special a special ring of hell is watching a movie with my wife and her sister. Oh. Because her sister's two times worse. <laughs> and um, the last movie we watched was that shock movie with Ryan Reynolds' wife. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's not even that complicated of a movie. But they, w- they were talking so much, and then they would miss things, and mm-hmm. then they would talk about that. And then at one point, I'm like, if you guys don't shut the fuck up, I'm just going to go upstairs. <laughs> I was like, fucking A, man. Anyway, now I'm just now I'm just venting about bullshit. <laughs> it's like, bitch, get out the room, get out the room, get out the fucking room. <laughs> so anyway, Sony has always been strict about uh, returns in the United States, as in no refunds. This week, uh, they have weakened that stance just a bit. Refunds are only for pre-ordered or faulty games, according to the revised policy. If you pre-order a game more than 14 days before its release date. You have up up until the date of its release to ask for a refund. If you if you pre-order a game fewer than 14 days before its release, you have up to two weeks after its launch to request your money back. You're only eligible for a refund if you haven't downloaded or streamed the game yet. The only ex- exception is if the game is faulty, though Sony doesn't go into detail on what that means. Also, refunds can only be credited to your PlayStation wallet balance. The new rules apply to full games, avatars, season passes, and other downloadable content. I mean, that's good. Yeah. 
you know, I understand why they have to be, well, if you haven't downloaded it, you can return. Because a lot of people are going to play a game for five minutes and go, nah, this is whack. And right. then they're going to want a full refund. No, that's not how that works. And then I like you the know. fact that they didn't explain how faulty, because that's the particular area you want as much ambiguity as possible. You know? Right. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, well, technically, I mean, yeah, it did brick your system, but you still could play it up until it bricked it, right? So, you know, you're... It's not I'll give you five dollars, but that's it. <laughs> it pull a fucking GameStop on you. Yeah. I'll give you two bucks. I'll give you, you two fifty right now. Right. Take it or leave it. <laughs> oh man. So if you are anxious to see the season two of Cobra Kai has in store, then this week's trailer must have you harder than Adam on a cosplayer's Instagram. Mm. In the latest trailer, we see a war between the dojos. Danny's dojo is taking shape to counter Cobra Kai's increasing popularity. Kreese, Johnny's old mentor, is planting his seeds to restore Cobra Kai to what it once was. Johnny and Kreese don't have a joyous reunion and struggle for the heart and soul of the JoJo. Miguel and Hawk begin fighting old friends, which leads to a possible showdown between Daniel and Johnny. The entire series drops on YouTube Premium on April 24th. I can't wait for this. I'm gonna, I know yeah. I'm going to just binge it like in that same day. <laughs> yeah, assuming me too. It's gonna be a weekend that I'm just gonna watch the whole thing. Right. It's just such it's such a good show and and it's it's surprising to me how good it is. Yeah. To be honest. Well that was the same same thing with me when season one came out and I was just like, oh, really? We needed that? But then everybody and a couple of people that I really, really trust were like, dude, you have to see it. Like you will be and I was like, All right. And then I remember watching the first episode and I binged the whole thing in like five and a half hours. I saw the whole season. I was like Oh my god, this was great! Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, do they even have any other YouTube preview shows? Not that anybody really cares about. It's usually a lot of stuff that are made with YouTube personalities. Or something. Yeah, no one cares about that. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, why the fuck do I want to pay for them? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck. Microsoft sucks. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um. <laughs> One of the biggest pet peeves of being a Microsoft user is the random restart now from a background forced update. In the upcoming May 2019 release, Microsoft is allowing you to pause an update for from installing at the wrong time, like recording a podcast, perhaps. <laughs> uh, after the update, which is a little ironic, uh, users will be able to pause both feature and monthly updates for up to 35 days, uh, seven days at a time, up up to five times okay uh once the 35 day pause period is reached users will need to update their device before pausing again this will be nice when a bad update is released and you can wait for them to either recall it or fix it before you screw up your system and that's really the big uh takeaway from this is that um i would constantly have it on pause because then you can at least see if an update is fucking your system up um i never really had an issue with forced updates because i have pro yeah. And Pro gives you a little bit more flexibility. Um, but eventually, you, you, have to, you have to update it. And I, I would get it a lot because, like, I'm using my desktop. And I'm not on my desktop as much as I, sh as I should be, mostly because of its location. But sometimes during the show, we'll be doing it. And then all of a sudden, I'll, my screen will dim. And then I'll see, like, you have a, your update needs to restart. Do you want to do it now? And it's like, motherfucker, no. And, you know, but the the... the you can read the you can read this on on the lazy geeks, but um, in the source notes they were talking about how in the like two updates ago they installed the uh, time 
window that you can have those computer, you know, you can have updates installed. Yeah. The problem is, is that that only really works if you have your computer on 24 seven. And if you don't, you know, it's like I could be on at two in the morning and that that's when I could set it to, you know, to restart then. And it's going to be right in the middle of that. And I don't leave my computer on 24 seven. I don't, I don't know most people that do unless you work or you work at home. Mine's on quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) only because it's also my television and I really need to stop doing that because it's it's a ridiculous waste of power. Right. Um, but um, even then, it wasn't that big of an issue. Like, I don't know. I think Microsoft really needs to get their shit together when it comes to the uh, the updates. Because other people do it much better. <laughs> um, like, right now I'm on Ubuntu, right? Right. So when Ubuntu has an update, it's like a little icon in the taskbar up there. That yeah. I'll notice and go, oh. And when you click on it, it's like, hey, you got updates. You want to update them? Like, it doesn't care. That's the one you thing. Know, it's that... really my problem if I don't update right. them. <laughs> and that's the one thing that I don't get is just like, why is Microsoft so up your ass about updating your computer? It's because like, most of the time, Microsoft is fixing either they're fixing things they broke or they're locking out people that have hacked something. Like, if you, oh, I can, um, you know, reprogram Cortana that say suck a dick or something like that. <laughs> They'll want to get rid of that. Like it's a lot of just bullshit. Yeah. Bug fix my ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, if you are still using a Windows phone, what's wrong with you? Facebook announced hey, <laughs> they were they were all right. <laughs> but still, like you're still using it. No, now. still they're ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Facebook announced last week that it will be removing their Facebook Messenger and Instagram apps from Windows phones. Anyone that is using those apps on their devices will have until April 30th to figure something else out. Uh, To be honest, if you're still using Windows phone, you were kind of asking for it. Although if you are refusing to migrate over to Android or an iOS device, I think you can still text and call one another on a Windows phone. So Yeah, yeah. you can. (laughs) I have one around here somewhere. You still have that one? Yeah, it what, still works too. Was that the seven? Um, because I don't think you had a ten. No, it was a six. Oh, was it an eight? An eight? It was a Lumia six ten or six forty. I don't know. It was like <laughs> a five and a half inch screen. It wasn't. It was so funny because it was impressive because that OS was super optimized when they were developing for it. And then it just slowly <laughs> melted into fucking oblivion. But um, it was nice. I, I liked it. I feel bad for those people that bought the $1,000 HP one that oh, um, linked up to the screen so you could have yeah. like a computer experience. Because that thing's pretty much fucking useless now. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's what it is, I guess. <laughs> um, let me... I was seeing if... Uh, I gotta be... Listen, full disclosure, people. I pulled the switch out. I was trying to see if Tim Gaines was on there. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> movie read along. <laughs> Many PC gamers are not happy when Borderlands, uh, were not happy um, when Borderlands 3 was announced. Publisher 2K had made it an Epic Games exclusive, which is only available at the Epic Games store. The exclusivity window is until April of 2020. While fans are upset, 2K most likely did this due to Epic Games' more favorable revenue sharing structure that, than that of Steam. 
They aren't the first publisher to bypass Steam with an initial launch. Deep Silver's Metro Exodus, Ubisoft's The Division 2, and Bethesda's Fallout 76 skip Steam for Epic Games. It's all about the money. Honestly, I've heard this about a lot of stuff because Steam, Steam, I guess, takes a little bit more than what people consider their fair share. Yeah. Um, and now that Steam's not the only, you know, the only game in the market now. Right. It's just such a pain in the ass. Like, you have the Steam launcher, then you have the Epic launcher, and then you have the <laughs> fucking EA launcher, and then you have... It's like, fucking A, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The best launcher is the Ubisoft launcher. That's not Steam. To me, it's the best one, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I just thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I was also hearing, too, like, some people were bitching about it because they said that, like, their servers aren't always that secure, and their game experience is usually pretty shitty. But, yeah. you know, Epic has said they've been trying to improve, and it's like, well, you know, it's the like... The problem is, is everyone's used to Steam. Yeah. And then they need time to work out the kinks, and people are like, no, fuck that. Steam yeah. works great. You should have like, known yes, now. Steam didn't work great in the beginning. Right. You know, so... But we forget about you. that. We forget about that part, you know? Yeah. All right. So, with that, it's time to go into our watch list. So... We kick off this week with Star Trek Discovery Through the Valley of Shadows, Episode 12. So a quick synopsis of the story is Michael and Spock investigate a Section 31 ship that was late checking in with command. Captain Pike goes down to a Klingon planet to retrieve a time stone that could be used to send the court into the future. So the episode kind of ties up or brings back some of the things that we saw in the beginning. Most importantly... Liel and uh, Ash's son being deposited on this planet where uh, Klingon monks reside. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, we, we get the continuing story of, of Leland, but now we see that the artificial intelligence is going after someone else now. So um, what, were your, what were your thoughts on the episode? thought it was pretty good i i like the whole um the twist when they were on the ship oh yeah that was pretty interesting um because i didn't see it coming which but it was one of those things where i didn't see it coming and i felt like i should have saw it coming (laughs) (laughs) i was kind of pissed off um i also really liked um how they connected uh pike's story up a little bit i mean it was depressing but they (laughs) anytime they connect discovery to the whole of the star trek universe is good for me. Yeah. You know, and um, it, it, I like how they make it kind of a, a heroic sacrifice because it gives him a little bit more depth and, and something that um, he deserves, really, yeah. as a character. Yeah, I thought you know? I thought that too. Like, when I saw it, I was like going, oh, cool, they made it to where it's like, it wasn't just like, a, oh, really? That's kind of what they did to the character to a... It's kind of how they almost, like, reworked the um, Star Wars and Rogue One like, yeah. you know, oh, there was a security flaw, this kind of massive. And then you find out, oh, it was actually done on purpose, you know. Because so. you, you have to do that. Like, Pike in the original series, yeah, he was cool, but he's basically a throwaway character. Yeah. He was just a stepping stone to Kirk. But now we've put Pike in the driver's seat of this new series. We're going to have to give him <laughs> a little bit more depth than that, you know. So And just that whole scene where he's like, you know, Starfleet taught me this and he clutches his, you know, his, his uh, Starfleet emblem and yeah. says what it did and it's like, I'm not going to walk away just because it's a future that I don't and ever saw for myself. You know, yeah, that's pretty dope. and you're just like, fuck dude. Like it's suddenly you're like, yes, like that. That, that scream was real though. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. 
<laughs> I know. I was just kind of like, whoa. And then kind of the uh, the reveal of of uh, Ash and Liel Lorel's son being an being a, an adult now because the way time fluctuates on that planet. Yeah. And um, Tenevik, I think, was his name, which is kind of a cool name. It has a cool ring to it, you know, like Tenevik. Um, it was it was funny if you ever if you had if you're on Twitter and you follow uh, Anson Mount who um, plays uh, Pike he put a he took a picture with him and Tenevik and then he said Bros for Life on there yeah <laughs> um but yeah I mean it was actually kind of interesting and then we got our favorite engineer back um which was which was kind of cool I liked seeing her again I was like oh, I I was like we needed her more. We definitely need more, but we got also a little more backstory on her. Um, yeah, trying to get uh, Hugh and uh, Stamets to kind of talk and you know get things going again. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's been the episode was really kind of confined to Pike and Michael. Um, I love the fact that Saru was so quick to be like, "Okay, go," and Mike's like, "Oh." Okay, I thought it would just take a little more convincing to Like have we have we not established that the Saru don't give a fuck, dude? Like <laughs> But I like how he I, I like how he says don't let it get you know interfere with you and then you know he's like going, Oh, you know, don't worry I won't but send Spock anyway to watch out for her. <laughs> right. Ridiculous. <laughs> I do more and more like their banter, you know, where he's like you know, where she's like, You don't need it's a not un um it's like What's this? An unnecessary risk, brother. Well, shall we go now, sister? <laughs> yeah. Know? They're so just catty with each other. De- <laughs> definitely brother and sister shit. Only people who grew up together can banter like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it was, uh, it, was a, it was a really cool episode. I really liked how Michael is seen more as a threat now to... Uh, uh, too. So it makes me kind of wonder, like, maybe Michael wasn't supposed to be alive. And, and that, I was kind of thinking that last episode, because if you really think about it, she keeps going back. And but that's the thing, too. You I don't know. She keeps going. She keeps going back into, or to different points in time to save her. You know, and it almost seems like the universe was trying to kill her <laughs> more than once. It's like the universe you know? is trying to say, no, we, we know what we're doing. You know? Right. <laughs> it's like Final Destination, like the Star Trek universe, you know? <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, I, I know some people are saying that maybe it's the Borg. Maybe the Borg of the future is going back. And I'm like, yeah, but they did that already. They tried to do it yeah. before First Contact. But they did that already, but it's also established in canon that the Borg do that. So you could really go either way on it, mm. but I don't know. It didn't feel like the Borg to me. No, at this point, it's just like, but now we know that there's somebody else that's showing the red, uh, the red dots, you know, the red signals. So it's kind of like, what, you know, like, okay, so she doesn't know. So Michael's mother doesn't know, doesn't know anything about this. So that means there's something else out there. There's another, there's somebody else out there trying to help. So who is that? Um, but the end, though, blow up the ship. You know what? I've been thinking that ever since they downloaded the data. To blow up? It's like, eventually, they're going to say, blow up the ship. Because that's really the only way to do it. But then, how are you going to blow up the title ship? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? But maybe like, it's a causality loop. The movies, maybe but... it's a causality loop, and then it comes back again. You know, something oh, like that. Oh shit! <laughs> maybe that's why we never knew about the discovery. Right? Exactly. That's because yeah. it got wiped from existence. You know, but no big turn of events. They destroy the discovery, and now it's on the Starship Enterprise. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cool. So I guess we're gonna see number one again next week. And well, I think Pike. I think Pike might be going back to his ship decks because you, you see him. In the, um, you see him in the Enterprise uniform. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. So. I don't know what what's going on with that. But I know we have two more episodes left. So these are the final two. So we'll have to see how this this whole end game plays out because now right. they're underneath. What are they? Um, almost all of Section Thirty One ships are surrounding them. Yeah, so. they're pretty fucked. Yeah, and hopefully Thanos won't find out about um, that Klingon planet and get the Time Stone. Yeah. So. <laughs> always been in canon i don't i don't remember ever there being a time stone thing you know in canon so but we've been wrong before yeah but i don't think so on this one you know unless it was like one of those offshoots or something like that where it's like in one of the books oh which was interesting because um when i was on the day after uh the episode came out somebody on twitter showed a cover of a book oh one of those old um um star trek novels and it and um it basically kind of spoke about how or wrote about how um, Pike ended up in that chair. And somebody said that I read this book when it came out and then I just got reintroduced to it a couple uh, couple months ago. They go, somebody in the writer's room read this book. So I was like, oh, cool. So it's like, you know, they're trying to... So it's kind of nice where you, you know people are actively working on canon, you know, taking stuff from books and giving them kind of a you know, a place to go into this, into this universe would be, it's kind of cool. I'm, lo- I'm looking, I'm trying to see if this, this stupid time crystal was ever referenced in something else. I mean, it's not stupid, but just <laughs> now all the references are discovery, discovery, discovery. So yeah. I think it's new. Yeah. Um, it was suspected that he used this device to rob a Betazoid bank during the Federation Klingon war. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to look at this later. Um, you know, but then also, you know, it could be, you know, you'll find out later there's a, a reality stone and <laughs> a tesseract. Right. Marvel everything. <laughs> All right. So next step next on our list is Doom Patrol, Danny Patrol, episode eight. So, so this episode for me was really fucking strange, <laughs> but it was also a big fan service episode because it has Danny the street in it. Right. So, um, so really quick, just a quick synopsis of the episode is Cyborg and Larry travel to Ohio to investigate a street calling for Niles' help, while Rita and Cliff try to bring Karen, Jane's latest, newest personality, back from her rom-com life. So. Right. And Jane being wacky. <laughs> um, yeah, Danny the Street is a character in Doom Patrol or in the DC Universe. And it is a literal street. It's a sentient street. It's weird. You'd have to see it <laughs> to really make any sense. Um, but it's also um, like a homosexual street or like a something binary. I forget the term. They weren't. They didn't exist when the comic book was written. Right. I don't know what it means now. But So there's this like Department of Normalcy, which is also... The um, secret organization that fucked with um, uh, Larry. Oh fuck! Who'd they fuck with? Larry. Larry. Yeah. Um, I was trying to remember his uh, superhero name. Negative Man. 
negative man. I, I always want to call him Mr. Nobody. Like, it, <laughs> it confuses me. So they were also the ones that fucked with him. Um, you know, and they, anything that isn't normal, basically. It's it's typical Doom Patrol weird shit, but anything that isn't what they deem normal, they try to kill it. So they're after this street because it's weird. And the street has the ability to um, teleport. So they can jump to other places. It's really fucking, it's weird. Which all, all of which Adam is explaining is, is happens in the episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, trust me, I'm not making this up. <laughs> I thought it was, but, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, you know, um, I remember something about Danny the street. Like, I, I remembered something about him. I couldn't exactly picture where I heard it. And then it was like, so it was kind of like, okay, so, like, I recognized it, but I didn't, like, really recognize it, I guess, you know. Uh, but I thought it was kind of, was very interesting. And to me, it made sense. Outcasts, which, you know, trans, non-binary, you know, um, uh, transvestites, all, all of them, you know, would have, it would, it would, it made sense because it was like yeah they need a refuge and that would be a refuge for them to be happy and live their life and stuff like that and take them out and then the you know uh was it the what was it called normalcy what was it uh yeah normalcy it's department of normalcy department of normalcy it made sense because you're dealing with the more conservative element of society you know everybody should be straight you know kind of thing everything anything that's outside of their realm their their realm is you know abnormal and so it was actually really kind of interesting to see that and then but how the like how they contacted uh uh niles with the cake and it was just yeah. the street map of ohio and you know it was it was interesting because the team got split up because jane it picks up right at the end of the last one where Jane snaps and leaves the uh, leaves the manor, and we kind of don't know where she is until she calls, and it's actually Karen, who blonde hair, eyebrows looked really fucking weird, uh, dressed all cutie and and just like oh my god hi yeah who is this again you know and wanted to talk to Rita, who they were BFFs, I guess. And I love how Rita was like, oh, we are not. <laughs> like, we are, yeah. we are not BFFs. And she hooked up with this guy that she apparently has hooked up a thousand times before. And it was kind of interesting because I was like, if she keeps going back and forth to this guy, what is it that keeps bringing, her, bringing him back? And I was just trying to figure out for the longest time, like, why is it like she that good in bed, which I'm pretty sure she probably is. But, you know, what what was the thing? And then it was the eyes when her eyes kind of gleamed. And I was like, oh, there it is. Because, you know, she has a superpower for everything. Yeah. You know, and th that was like, oh, OK. But I liked how Hammerhead came out and goes, don't let that bitch get a hold of me. like she just was like she yeah, hated... hammerhead does not like karen yeah not at <laughs> all so that's going to be interesting to see what happens now because at the end of the episode jane breaks She's all the way broken and it was interesting um visual too where you see um inside of uh jane's mind 
and Karen's being yanked, like pulled by an invisible force into the depths of something, like yeah. a mine or something. Yeah, because like it was like a train track or some kind of track yeah. that she was dragged down. Um, but we also find out that Karen only manifests itself when Jane is severely like down. Yeah. So, um, I really like this character because it's so complicated. <laughs> it really you really sit there and you really think about it and you kind of try to figure out what's going on um like steve and i were having an argument over which personality was hotter <laughs> <laughs> these things are important you know these are and, the and i and you good. you said you you know you liked hammerhead and i said the only thing and i said the only thing that was put off putting about hammerhead was the chest plate tattoo no i didn't say i said hammerhead probably fucks like a jackhammer right i said that i didn't say i liked her i'd run away from hammerhead i want i want that one to come back in one episode <laughs> where she me. said oh please touch me like where's that one at you know yeah i told adam i go the only off-putting thing about uh, about hammerhead is that cha- that chest plate it's, other than it's that really, it's really bad it's, it's tacky yeah other than um, that you know like it's tacky but it's something someone like that would get right you know um so yeah, so the Karen thing is looks like that's done with for now, um, but we'll see. I have a feeling that uh, Robot Man's going to be doing some carrying yeah. in the beginning of next episode. I did like this. So. I did like that little kid. Uh, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> he rides up on the bike and he stares at at a cliff and then takes off and he's like little jerk, and then comes back dressed up as a little robot and starts like break dancing and he's like. Well, you got better. I saw I saw Flashdance eighty six times. What do you think? I'm like the kid doesn't even know what Flashdance is. <laughs> like, what are you doing, right. dude? Um, but yeah, but one one thing I did like about this episode, and it's something that we're seeing with the newer DC stuff, is it is it kind of captured a lighter side of the DC universe? Mm. You know, where Danny the Street is this flamboyant fucking. It's been, Danny the Street's a drag queen, right? Like and they really represent that in the show perfectly because you're seeing all these masculine kind of stores, but everything's kind of femmed up, right? You know, and and I thought it was it was just really once I remembered who Danny the Street was because th- that's an old reference man, <laughs> from like when I was a child. Um, it was it, it was just interesting. I thought it was pretty good how they were playing with it and and uh, getting it going. The 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 Karen thing was funny. But something that I don't, I could, I could tell didn't connect to anything yeah. really important. So I kind of just was like, okay, cool. Um, the one thing that I liked about, I, and I think, and here's where I think I, I understand where you're coming from is because with the Danny the Street storyline, we got some movement on Larry personally. Right. Because he had been kind of denying himself of what he is or who he is. And, when he's there and that whole singing sequence that he did, you know, um, was him allowing himself to finally identify with who he is. And then at the end, you know, when he, uh, he kicks the, the, the one leader, the team leader of the department of normalcy and says, tell him captain trainer sent you, you know, it's like, okay, he got some closure. Yeah. He's got some closure. He's, he's starting to be like, okay, this is who I am. And, and I think that's where the doom patrol is trying to go is to, you know, have everybody be a little more sure of themselves before they go up to Mr. Nobody, you know? Yeah. 
and, and I think it's cool too because they're while they're doing that, the purpose for them doing that, at least to them, is to fight against what Mr. Nobody did to the previous Doom Patrols, where they he preyed on their um, insecurities, their insecurities yeah. and, and their fears. So if they're trying to address them now, so if Mr. Nobody pops them up, like, fuck, you already dealt with that. Right, yeah. It's you, like, know, and, you don't and have me anymore, yeah. I think that's a solid move. Um, I liked... Uh, what else was there? There was something in there that... Oh, one one thing with the with the Crazy Jane bit with Karen is Karen admits to Robot Man that Jane speaks like fondly of Robot Man, like she's pretty um, like he's important to her, right? You know, so that that was something interesting. Anytime, and, and I think that's the thing with that character is that Jane is the one that's the main one and we know the least about right like i know more about karen than i know about jane yeah you know and karen was only in this episode you know so it, it's really fucking interesting <laughs> we know hammerhead yeah i know hammerhead up and down because that chick's i think hammerhead is the default when jane is doesn't want to deal with it right because hammerhead comes out a lot yeah she does you know so um, Wishing doesn't know how to deal with her emotions. Hammerhead pops out. Exactly. And just shouts at everybody. You know, Hammerhead's a fucking asshole. Oh, yeah. Like, ugh. And of course, has the superior strength ability. <laughs> so you can't do anything about it. You right. know? Well, of course, you know, when you're have a when you dealing with a bitch, you know, you're going to want to make sure that she can't be fucked with. But the only well-rounded, like, actual person is Jane. Like, the other ones are just caricatures of something right like hammerhead is anger karen is that 90s fucking fantasy of relationships which was ugh. <laughs> like i've and then i'm watching and i go i've seen this movie <laughs> yeah. um and then you had the um the psychiatrist one like they're all just like either manifestations of an emotion or of a some kind of event that she needed to deal with. Yeah. You know, and it's it's really fun. I don't know. I that's my favorite character on the show. Not because she's hot. <laughs> but well, we, because, we're not taking that away from her. Well, no, <laughs> it's de- a definite bonus. But um you know she's a writer too, the actress. Oh, really? She wrote two books about um I don't know if they're both about it, but one of them was about like immigrating to this country and then getting separated or something like that and i guess it got it was a big deal hmm. so i don't know just just throw that out there because i learned it recently <laughs> not just a pretty face guys just, okay yeah 2019 exactly you know 2019 right. folks you know we've we, we've evolved we've evolved that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right and lastly we added a new show to our uh to our list um the Twilight Zone. So we're here talking about the comedian, episode one. Uh, so the story involves Samir Wassan, who is a comedian who meets his idol J.C. Wheeler. It gives him advice about becoming a successful, successful comic and what he's willing to do to give up to, what he's willing to give up to be a star. Um, it's it is kind of that. It is that old kind of tale you know about what you're willing to do who you know that cutthroat idea business about 
you know, oh, hey, this is cool. I can, you know, it, it's, it follows. Some people have been kind of bashing the new Twilight Zone as not being like, oh, it's not even close to being Dark Mirror. And Adam and I were like, it was, never was meant to be. Yeah, it's not. It's not supposed to be edgy. Yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to be thought provoking. It, it's. But I think that's what people are used to now. Like even with great shows and shows that I like, like look at um Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like the first season of Game of Thrones was fucking and killing. Yeah. Like left and right, you know, and it really it tries to establish itself as something that's going to shock you, you know, and that's kind of what everybody does now. Yeah, and and with the Twilight Zone was always meant to be thought provoking. It's kind of putting you. Or kind of taking things that you kind of know and then put turning them on their ears, some of the more classic ones that we know. But let's keep in mind, too, is that some of those ones that we revere weren't necessarily revealed back, revered back in the day. No. You know, and so this episode actually did pretty well because what, and, uh, spoilers, by the way, you can see it free on YouTube right now. Um Oh, and just so you know, two episodes were actually released this week, episode one and two. One was free, one was behind the paywall. Um, so we're going to be like a week behind on some of these. So next week when we talk about episode two, you know, they're going to be on episode three. But I think once we get past the Orville and I think Discovery ends, we'll do a two episode and catch up. I think is probably what we'll do. Um, so otherwise we'll make this too long. Um but what I liked about this is that in this episode, you have the guy who, who for some reason, and that Second Amendment thing was just like, oh my God, you're trying to be that kind of edgy comedian and you're just like, not funny. Yeah, it's like, I understand what you're saying and I agree with you, but this is not comedy. Right. Like, you're, you're <laughs> just, you, now we're having a philosophical discussion about <laughs> politics. Yeah, right. that's not what, that's not what those people came there exactly. for. Exactly. And, and if you guys, it, uh, the actor that plays uh, Samir was in uh, recently the, um, uh, oh my God, what was that movie? Uh, uh, shit, The Big Sick. The Big Sick. That came out with Amazon, where he wrote, him and his wife wrote the script, basic, kind of basic, based on how they met and mm. and and their life. And he used to, he's on um, Silicon Valley. And uh, I thought it was kind of interesting where he opened up, once he opened up about himself, and then everybody started laughing when he talked about his dog and taking a shit on, or peeing on his pizza or something like that, or taking a shit on his pizza. And then yeah. everybody laughed. And then suddenly that thing was erased from existence because it was something that the, that JC Wheeler, who was played by Tracy Morgan, by the way, who was yeah, but an ominous. Tracy yeah. Morgan. That's what I was going to say. It was like a super creepy Tracy Morgan. He was not funny at one point. Not one no. point. In this, he was scary, but he, it was it, brilliant. It was a great twist on Tracy because everybody yeah. expects Tracy Morgan to be, to be silly. Yeah. The, the 30 rock character, but you see him as this ominous, you know, with the vaporizer. Yeah, because <laughs> because if this was the old school twi- Twilight Zone, he'd have a, a big stogie or right. something like that, you know. <laughs> but he says that once you open up, it's something that you're going to have to give up because the audience is going to take. Yeah, once the audience connects to it, it's theirs yeah. and it's gone forever. Exactly. And you think he's speaking metaphorically, but no, he's speaking literally. It's a, it's a very um, – and we've seen this 
before many times. Right. It's a very deal with the devil kind of thing. Um, but it was done in a pretty clever way. And um, it was done in a way, too, where the protagonist doesn't know he's making a deal with anybody, right. which is very Twilight Zone. Like, <laughs> he just agrees to something, and he's like, wait a minute, this kind of sucks. But what's what's great, too, is that it, it went on this whole aspect of, oh, hey, he's doing a good thing because some of the the most of the people that he's you know that are disappearing are bad people yeah. you know people that oh they committed these crimes or you know they the, the the comedian that killed people across the street you know and all of these and he you know so they're bad people and he tries to justify it by saying well if they didn't exist then technically it's not murder so you know he's justifying this whole thing and then as he realizes what the hell's going on and that his comes down to where a competitor of his Didi. I liked that friend slash competitor of his Didi. Yeah, she was cool. She was cool. Like she just was like bitchy, but at the same time, you know she cared. And um it, it was the um it was the when they said that somebody was casting for a new show and it was down between the two of them. And she was like, you know, like every other one, I've got to get this. Like I got his and and you know, uh, Samir was like, I'm not going on. And then she was like, oh, no, fuck that shit. No, you're going on. I'm not going to get this because of some pity or whatever. You know, she wanted to go on. And he could have easily just failed. But he ended up sacrificing her. And then he just has this break. Yeah, where he's just naming off everyone he knows. Yeah. And then his girlfriend comes, or ex-girlfriend at this point, comes in and he knows, like, this is it. Is it going to be her or is it going to be him? And then he makes that call and then erases himself out of existence. Um, right, which since he's erased from existence, he never erased anyone else, so everybody comes back. Right. But he was never there. And then at the it, end, the twist is Dee Dee ends up writing into J.C. Wheeler at the end. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, ah. And it all starts over again. And then you see the, the club um, that this was in, the wall, the back wall had like a big mural of an audience. Yeah. And then you see... Um, Samir. You see... Uh, what's his name? Samir. I can't remember his name. Samir. There you go. Um, is one of the audience members. Like he's been sucked into it. So I'm kind of wondering, and I was like going, oh, so is that where all of them go? Yeah. You know, like, because they all eventually fall down that rabbit hole. And it was it was kind of a, it was an interesting, I think it was an interesting commentary on what people will do to be famous, and what they're willing to accept, like and we see this a lot. And I think it's cool in the modern era too because we see this a lot with the YouTube stars now. YouTube, and social just, media, yeah, uh, Instagram, right. and all of that, yeah. And there was just a um, there was just an article about they did a video, these parents, like it's one of those families that videotape everything they fucking do. And they have this daughter who's like five and they lie, they, they lied to her and said that, um, they, they needed to get rid of their dog. And you could tell the kid was not like, she just cried. Mm -hmm. Like it was so painful. And then they were like, Oh, and kind of laughed about it. And, and everyone was like, are you fucking serious? Like yeah. that's entertainment. It's like, yeah, but you get clicks. Yeah, you know people. People, people love are train losing wreck. their people way. People love train wrecks. Yeah, exactly. So people, people are being morally ambiguous for fame. Yeah, which is not a new thing, but I mean, we just see it more. And um, 
I think that's exactly what happened with this dude is that he just he he got a taste of it and even on a small scale and then also the power the power of being able to get rid of people because that that one comedian who's a dickhead oh yeah um he also drove drunk and that's, yeah. that's what steve referenced with across the street where he he slammed into a bus stop and he killed two people a baby a woman and a, and a child yeah. and um so he got rid of him and the bus stop was fine. And he's like, oh, well, f- fuck yeah. You know, yeah. I'm doing a good thing. Yeah, I, you know, saved, I saved a wife. I, sa- I saved a lady and her baby. Right. Know, and got rid of an asshole. You athlete. see all, all these justifications. And I thought it was kind of funny, too, because he got he accidentally got rid of his dog first. And then his nephew. And then his- you see him with his, like, nephew or whatever. And he gets rid of him. But then he he's justified. Like, well, I didn't kill him if he was never existed, right? And there's no one around to to agree or disagree with him because they're all like, who are you talking about? Because right. he's never been. So it's this big, like, he's getting away with murder, essentially. Yeah. And he's just the whole episode justifying it to himself and only in the end to go, well, I'm a fucking monster, so bye. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like like Twilight Zone back in the day. Sometimes they don't end happy. Yeah. You know, Most of the time, they never, like, they never ended happy. You right. know, but it's always the the lesson learned, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna add this one, and we'll be talking about the uh, uh, the second episode next week. And yeah. so, uh, all right. So with that, let's uh, jump into some into headlines. So this week, Todd Phillips released the t- teaser trailer for Joker, which is due out later this year. The trailer seemed to be somewhat of an origin story of the character that resembles a bit of the killing joke. The teaser is a bit haunting with put on a happy face with Joaquin Phoenix's spot-on Joker laugh. Not to mention that brief glimpse of Robert De Niro who claims there is a connection between his character and the character, his character in The King of Comedy. While we only have a, a beautiful imagery and the haunting music, I'm still hesitant to think that this will enjoy the same reception as Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Shazam. Also, people in Gotham are fucking assholes. They deserve what the Joker does to them. <laughs> um, I don't think it will. I, I think because it's not going to be a widely accepted um, film. It looks more like a, like an artsy kind of flick. Right. And, and, and something that's going to make the audience uneasy. Oh, yeah. um, and not everyone is keen to that. Well, and um, usually when you're dealing with the Joker, there's a Batman somewhere in it to kind of you know, restore, but there's a balance. Yeah. Right. But this, you're not, and there is no balance in this. Yeah. Or you're just going to watch a man lose his mind (laughs) and then be horrifying. (laughs) And it's, it's, um, I'm interested in it. I'm looking forward to it. Released on October 4th, by the way, this year. Um, because it, for, I feel like for the first time, it's one of those, it's if one. It's the Joker, just the Joker. It's obviously an Elseworld story. It's not going to be connected to anything else. I don't think this is. They're not going to try to link this up with the <laughs> with the DC universe. It wouldn't make any sense, right? With fucking Shazam throwing Batman dolls at people, like, it, it just doesn't. It, it the tone is too off. Um, but I think it's interesting, and I'm happy to see Joaquin Phoenix back. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah. You know, so we'll see. I'm excited for it, but, man, but I have noticed a lot of people aren't. Yeah, I mean it's funny too because like when the, the 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 video came out or the trailer came out, I went on YouTube and I was reading the comments, and everybody's talking about oh my god, greatest movie ever, and they're over the time. And I'm like, oh, this is just the teaser trailer. Like we don't even know what the fuck is going on. They're just hype, you know. They're just hyped about it. Yeah, and I'm just like, 
Okay, yeah, we'll see what happens. These will be the same people that I I really should screen grab and then see those same people when the movie comes out and go, fucking blue, I knew it was going to suck. No, you didn't. You said it was going to be the greatest movie. You said it was going to, Marvel's going to have a big movie year, but this is going to be the greatest movie. Like, uh, lied to us all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, okay. So, a Twitter a Twitter user uh, who has had some decent success revealed that Microsoft is planning to release a bundle package of Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold for a $14.99, um, $14.99 monthly fee. This makes sense since the rumor of the new discless Xbox One is coming to pre-order this month uh, with release in May. To, to be honest, the bundle only saves you $5, but that is the same savings that people get from their cable company when they bundle TV and internet. If you look at it in a positive light, you can see see us getting one of those services for half off. I mean, yeah, it's like a little $5 discount. I mean, I don't know. I heard about this and I just, I, I, I couldn't find the strength to care. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like whatever. I mean, they, they had, I remember when they had that big thing where you could pay, I forget how much a month, and they would give you an Xbox One. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, it was like, yeah, I remember it was like some 30-some-odd bucks a month, and you got, I think, Xbox One, Game Pass, and um, and, live. and Live, yeah. Which I thought was funny, but that fucking came and went so damn fast. Well, it was a limited-time offer. It wasn't supposed to be a full Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. too. So I don't know. I don't know how many people signed up for that, but... um. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's always good to get a little discount. You know what I mean? And people will jump on it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does make an incentive. Like, oh, for 15 bucks, I'll get both, you know. Right. And to be, you know, and, and to be honest, you know, I honestly, I don't think both could be 10 bucks a month. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, what are we doing here? Um, but, you know, Microsoft, I mean, um, Sony is charging a lot more for a lot less on their PlayStation Plus stuff. That's so, true. You know, um, and you still have to you still have to be connected in order to play those games. So, well, it's kind of funny because the subscription services always end up syncing up. I mean, look at streaming music services; they're all nine ninety nine a month for a single user, fourteen ninety nine a month for a family. The family is up to six people. Right. They're all that way. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of like they all sat in a room one day going, "Let's make it this way." Well, yeah, because you know? I mean, if you think about it, you have two at ten bucks. People can just like, well, that's twenty bucks. I'm really not going to get it. It's like, oh well, you can buy both and get fifteen. Then it's kind of like, all right, yeah, well, fifteen's better than twenty. So yeah. then they'll they'll be more inclined to offer. Like I would probably offer. Like for me, if I was paying ten bucks a month, I'd probably get just Xbox Live, and uh, skip the Game Pass. But for well, you have, I think you have to have Live to have Game Pass. Yeah. Anyway, I think you have to have both. Yeah, but I think more people would offer Live because. Well, they want to play multiplayer or, you know, they want to they want the free games or the discounts or whatever. And more people are going to go with live than they will for Game Pass. And so this time it's like, yeah, but for five bucks more, you can get Game Pass. It's that it's that upsell. If you've ever done retail, it's that modest upsell where it's like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, you get this and you have all this. Oh, well, how much is it? Oh, another 10 bucks a month. Oh, Game Pass is like HBO. You have you have to have cable first before you can get HBO. <laughs> well, this is back in the day anyway. Right. So like we, now you, you have, have to have live. internet. Now you have to have internet before you get right. HBO. So you have live, and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna add on Game Pass. I had it for a little bit, and it was okay, but I don't know. I just 
every once in a while I go, how many how many subscription services am I signed up for? And usually gaming ones get cut first because yeah. they're not fucking important. Yeah, you know, so it's like I don't know. I have a lot. I, I have a lot of streaming services lately, anyway. <laughs> but whatever. I cut cable, so I'm saving a lot of money. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our main story this week. It's kind of a twofer. You know. For $9.99, you get the first one, and then for an extra 5 bucks, you get this That's little right. extra one we added on there. That's right. So this week, we, re- we had a reminder in a digital age of what we own or not. Microsoft announced that they are getting out of the ebook business. What does that mean for people that purchased ebooks with them? Well, they'll be deleted in July, but we'll receive a refund. That raises a question about other companies like Amazon, Apple, or Vudu. But what about smaller companies that someday disappear and you don't get any compensation? On a similar top on on somewhat similar topic, GameStop took massive losses this last quarter, and not in new game sales or hardware, but in pre-owned game sales, Be- with better offerings on the con- on console stores and selling hardware online. GameStop is getting retribution from all the people it screwed over these last few um, uh, all these years. So, um, I think before we get into the GameStop one, how about uh, we talk about digital media? Because, you know, I understand the convenience of it. You just order it through, you know, order it through whatever console, your phone, what have you. Don't have to go to the store and buy it. And it's all digital. You can access it anywhere. But what again happens if a company decides to, because technically, I mean, to be completely honest with you, I don't know if there's any real rule in the books that says that they have to give you money back if they shut down. No. It just makes it, it, they just look better if they do. Oh, yeah. I mean, per, 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 I mean, the difference with like Microsoft is that Microsoft is still in business. They're just getting out of that ebook. So here you go. You know, but, you know, weirder shit has happened was someday they just decide, oh, well, we're going to get rid of this and you're going to lose all this stuff. Well, I deserve money back or something back in that, well, stuff. Yeah. Well, go fuck yourself. Yeah. You've had it for a year. You should have read it by then. Right, because I don't think there is any re- government regulatory agency that digi- that requires over digital media. But that's our regulatory company is always twenty years behind the times anyway, because they only do something after something has happened. Yeah, and and for the most part, digital media has been pretty. I don't know, morally honest, for now, <laughs> like it's being self-regulated by by the. By the consumer, really, because if there have been times where, like, oh, I think it was Amazon was pulling books or whatever from their e-reader because they, I forget why, but they were pulling books that people had bought and everyone freaked the fuck out, you know, and that, that kind of was like a telling sign of you can't, you need to make a hard decision if you're going to do something. You can't just do whatever the fuck you want as a company. Right. Because your your consumers are going to flip out, and there's too many options nowadays for you to be a complete dick, <laughs> right? But I guess you know, in some instances, unless you have, because here's where we run into some of the problem. And I think the fine the, the line needs to be the line needs to be drawn here. <laughs> this far, no farther. I think what what we have to kind of differentiate is if, like, you buy a, let's say you buy a music off of Amazon. You actually download the songs and so you have the album on your hard drive. 
You can add it to anything, you know, you can burn it, whatever, whatever. But when you get an ebook that requires a certain app or a certain functionality to open that you just can't open with like any PDF reader or EPUB, you know, app becomes a problem. And, you know, and therein lies, you know, issues with like Kindle because a lot of like with the Kindle or books on Amazon, there is a bit of RDM um, or DRM that's required for those. So that ends up becoming a problem. Movies is a bigger one. Um, you know, when you buy movies through Google or Amazon or, you know, Vudu, you know, it's like if any of those, you know, or any of those, you know, maybe, you know, something they they go under or they decide they're no longer offering those movies. What happens to you? What recourse do you have, you know, if they go under? But another thing, and we have another prime example of this, is Ultraviolet, which was that digital service that Warner Brothers had with their movies that you could, you know, get Ultraviolet. And you remember, if you have an old enough video, you see like this this big old ad for it. And then... Now they're shutting down Ultraviolet, but they say like, oh, well, if you have somebody else that has the movie on their system, you'll be able to, you'll be able to get those, you know, still get those. So if you have it connected to like Movies Anywhere or Voodoo, which usually you have to have it to like Voodoo, uh, and then, you know, you have it synced up there, you'll be fine. You'll be able to access the movie. But then it's kind of like, yeah, but what if you don't, you know, and you had it on there and you liked it? So it's kind of like... Yeah, you're kind of fucked. Yeah, because what if, you know, like in your case, let's say you have the Voodoo account, so you have that movie, then they get rid of it, but the Blu-ray that you had is destroyed or lost or what have you. Now you're fucked. You don't have the movie at all. Right. Which is, I mean, that would happen even if I just bought a Blu-ray without a digital copy, but I understand <laughs> what's happening. You know? Um, and one thing I do buy digitally is movies. Mainly because I don't like a lot of clutter, and I just just a, a shit ton of fucking discs gets on my nerves. And then also I have kids, so they break them. Yeah, you know. So we do have a pretty sizable voodoo account collection, quote unquote. <laughs> um, and everything seems to be going fine so far. But yeah, there's always that risk of if voodoo just goes under, you're you're kind of asked out. Yeah. Or like, or they get they get bought out by somebody else, and they go, "Well, we're closing this all off, and we're going to have our own." Okay, well, you're going to migrate that stuff over? No. Right. You know, then you're kind of like, "Well, wait, that sucks." So, yeah. Another, but another thing, like I see that with movies, another thing, another issue is uh, gaming. You know, you take games and stuff like that. So we have, you know, most games now, like I, and I think this kind of segues into uh, the GameStop. Uh, piece there is we only went to GameStop because that was the only game in town no pun intended you know we dealt with that bullshit of because at the top of the show you heard oh yeah GameStop will buy it back for like 250 you know because you never got anywhere close to what they're going to resell it for you know and I understand you know it's like well we got to make money somehow it's like, yeah, but when you're giving somebody five bucks for, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 on PlayStation, but you're going to sell it for, you know, sixteen ninety nine. It's like, come on, 
What are we doing? I don't here? know. GameStop never bothered me, to be honest. I've never. I've, I'm also the only person I know that GameStop didn't bother bother them when it comes to trade in values. But I'm like, if you don't like it, don't fucking trade it in. Like, you, you go anywhere else, it's the same. If you go to the pawn shop, or if you go to, um, we have a place here called Bookman's. It's the same thing. You, you're getting like pennies on the fucking dollar trade in shit. But GameStop gets the fucking brunt of it. Like GameStop's the like, and I'm not saying Steve's just saying it's you know it's kind of whack. But there's some people like GameStop's the fucking devil because they're <laughs> they're stealing money out of your pocket. Like they ain't doing shit. Like, take your ass home. Well, the big thing that you, the big thing that you know I know most people that deal with, and I'm and I'm and I know I said like PlayStation Two, but it's mostly like current gen stuff. You know, yeah. it's like. You know, oh hey, I got a, I got an extra controller I wasn't gonna use. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna, you know, trade it in. And then, you know, it's new. It's, you know, probably still in the packaging or whatever. Oh, they'll still give you like twenty percent of what the thing is worth. And then they're gonna probably resell it at, you know, fifty instead of fifty nine bucks. They're gonna sell it at forty nine bucks. Well, the funny thing is too, you get more money at GameStop for how rare a game is and not how popular it is. Because you got to think about the market now. Like, popularity, no one ever runs out of fucking games. When it's a current game, it's always in stock. It's not like it's hard to find. There's no more, you don't have to line up anymore <laughs> before they sell out. But I traded in my Wii U, which is a dead console. I traded that in with 15 games, and I had pretty much all of the bigger titles for the Wii U. And I got, like, shit, almost two 200. Yeah. You know, so I thought that was fair. I was like, okay, cool. But I bet you if I went in there with a with a uh, Xbox One and 15 games, I'd get half that. If that. Because no one cares. Like, everybody has an Xbox One. <laughs> but what, <laughs> like, like, nobody gives a shit. Right, but one of the things that I, I think I'm really kind of going at with the GameStop bit is the fact that, yeah, a lot of people were kind of stuck with going to GameStop because you couldn't get that with, you know, Target or Best Buy, you know, and, and, and Best Buy tried to do it, tried to do a, you know, trade-in thing, but that thing didn't last long because yeah. um, it's Best Buy. <laughs> it actually wasn't that bad either. That was around the time when I, I, I worked there. And it was actually, you could get some pretty sick-ass deals from there too, but nobody knew it was there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they kept that secret pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really the only one around was GameStop, and GameStop kind of cornered that. You know, and so they're like, oh, okay, you know, we can kind of run the gamut because what else are you going to do? But nowadays, people have the internet. They can sell it themselves. They can sell a bunch of games to whoever and whoever wants it will pay it. But at the same time, you have some sick-ass deals on Xbox or PlayStation Store, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, I mean, shit, I barely played Titanfall 2, but I got Titanfall and, and uh, for a Black Friday deal, I got Titanfall and Battlefield 1 for like 20 bucks yeah like i um when i first bought my switch there was an ubisoft sale going on and i bought like stick of truth um <laughs> for cheaper than they had it at gamestop yeah and i think now you know you're seeing that in, in and you know people will go to gamestop or target or something like that when they're pre-ordering the physical game to be honest i think most video games nowadays i kind of just buy digitally yeah, and music too. I, I think I I do more music digitally, but for me, for music, it's like okay, I put it down, I put it on my hard drive, and it's on my iPod. 
So it's like, okay, I'm kind of secure in that. But <laughs> if I, I don't even, I honestly, for music, I, I can't remember the last time I purchased music. I just have streaming service. And then I can listen to whatever the hell I have. Yeah, but, like, for, but for me, sometimes it's like because I'm looking for specific, there's specific stuff that I do. I do have, I do listen to the streaming services and I don't pay for any of them. But there are sometimes where I'm looking for particular music that I want to play on my own, not wait for them to show up on a streaming service, you know? What? And I'm just curious. What music are you not finding on? I have, I have yet to find anything that isn't on a streaming service. And I'm just curious. I'm not. I'm not saying that you're full of shit. I just, I'm honestly. I'm honestly curious. Well, you kind of are, but you know. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I think in a in a some of it, I'm looking for kind of specific like '80s and sometimes '70s music that doesn't necessarily pop on like movie soundtracks or you know more obscure like you know maybe. Uh, a certain song on a B-side of a, a particular, like, you know, like a Bruce Springsteen album or something like that. Something that I kind of, like, I've looked on and I've been trying to find it and it's just like I can't find it anywhere. So sometimes it's only, you know, you never hear it on streaming service. Because to be honest, you know, a lot of streaming services generally play, they do have a certain playlist. And, and you know, when I'm thinking about it too, I do agree that it might be, easier for me because i listen to mostly hip-hop so even even if i'm listening to because today i was pulling up some obscure fucking mixtapes and shit <laughs> but hip-hop's always been about that right like mixtapes are part of it you know so it's easier to find it's probably easier to find that shit than the b-side of a fucking album that no one remembers <laughs> you right. know no disrespect <laughs> i'm just saying yeah yeah, and you know, and you know, that was from back when I was a kid. There's a lot of times where I, yeah, I liked you know traditional you know FM radio kind of stuff, but I also liked some obscure shit, some some songs that didn't make it to the radio. You know that you know there are certain songs like there's a couple of albums like you'll hear like the last song on the album. You're like, oh my god, that's a fucking awesome song, but it yeah. never makes the radio, so it never shows up on anybody's like, oh yeah, these songs of the year or anything like that. And maybe every once in a while, maybe we'll come up on, you know, somebody's doing like songs of the 80s and they need to fill up that space between 2 a.m. and 4, you know, and they throw those random songs out there. But that that's kind of where what I why I would buy it, you know, or if I'm looking for a full discography of somebody, you know, and I kind of, you know, not all their albums, maybe earlier albums, you know, I, I won't be able to find. But that that's the only reason I would. And I don't buy a lot, you know, um, but, or sometimes people buy it too, like they want music on on older media. Like there's a big um, there's a big resurgence of cassette tapes right now. Yeah, and then people who love vinyls, like they still print fucking the new albums on vinyls. Well, it's funny because on one of the more recent episodes of Arrow, uh, one of the future flash future moments took place like twenty years in the future or twenty twenty five years twenty years in the future. And uh, they had uh, Felicity left a message for her daughter, but because it's in the future, she left it on one of those micro cassette tapes, you know, the ones you would use on an answering machine. Yeah. You know, and she's like, oh my God, it's like the perfect encryption where you put it on old piece of media that nobody has, you know, so they had to scurry for a micro cassette recorder, you know, to, to play the message. And um, yeah, and it's kind of like that where it's like, it'll always be kind of safe. And, you know, and let's be honest. 
How many how many people out there miss those uh, CD cases that you used to have? Those big yeah. Trapper I, keeper. I think that's what it is too. It's it's an emotional thing. It really is. Like I I honestly I'm not. And you'd think I was older because I really grew up when CDs were the thing. You were born in the you mo- you were born sixty. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I miss cassette tape. I do too. I really do. There was something about the mechanics of it. It was like that. It was like so easy to fix unless it broke, unless the tape right. broke. <laughs> <laughs> so easy to fix unless it broke. I like that. Um, I don't know. There was just. The whole, you know, opening the bay and putting the tape in. There's just something about it. And even, like, something that was annoying then, but rewinding it. Oh, right. It, that anticipation to hear it. You know what I mean? Like, there's little things, like, that we lose in the in society today where – I sound like an old man now, but <laughs> – where we lose with this instant. Like, right. you press a button, you have exactly what you want. Like, even with the stream – like, right now, I'm use, I use uh, YouTube music only because my friend has it and it's free. Um <laughs> But uh, I liked Apple Music better than YouTube Music, I'm going to be honest. Um, but I have access to literally whatever the fuck I want to listen to. Like, I was, I was sitting there today, and I was like, I was watching some video on, like, 90s hip-hop or something. I was like, oh, you know, and they mentioned um, this album, Ghostface Killer, fucking Iron, Iron something. I don't even remember now. Um, but I was, I was sitting there like, oh, man. I remember that album. That album was pretty dope. Came out in '96 or whatever. And um, <laughs> back in the oh, Iron Man, Ghostface Killers, Iron Man. So back in the day, I would have to go find the fucking out. Al- I would have to go on a quest <laughs> yeah. to find this album. Like I would, you know, the and quest you to- usually being going to the music store. But but you know, you go like, oh no, we're sold out of that. Or when you look and you <sighs> see the and you see the files in there, and it's just like, oh, it's empty. What the fuck? But you know what? And this actually happened to me too. And I can't remember what album it was, but it was it was an album that came out like two years prior, and I missed it. And I was like, "What the fuck?" And I went to the music shop. They said they were sold out. I said, "But we got one copy left. I can call them and put it on hold. But you got to pick it up today." All the way on the other side. To, I had to take two buses <laughs> to get over there. Like you know, it's it's. <laughs> you come running. You come running into the record store. You got this. You got this. You got you got this tape for Adam Riley. <laughs> you're all sweating it's right here <laughs> you know what i mean like it was a big deal and i got in trouble too because i was too young to be taking a bus that far but um it was worth it was, it. <laughs> it was worth it but the that kind of stuff it's it's a double-edged sword because one we miss it and it's a beautiful thing but on the other end the young people don't give a fuck about that because yeah. they don't know what we're talking about right so it's it's not like it's gonna suddenly come back and sometimes, you know, sometimes it does. I mean, LPs disappeared for a while, and then they started coming back. And I think they came, they came back because of of mixing and yeah. stuff like that. Well, one of the things that I I kind of missed was, you know, when you have a you have a friend like, oh, like I have a friend of mine who actually got me into gangster rap, and I you know he was listening to you know NWA and Ice T and all that shit. And I was like, you know, he and you know it was in school where. Um, you'd be sitting in the back of the class, you had a substitute, and he has his headphones on and is like, oh, do you listen to this? You want to listen to this? I was like, yeah. So he hands you it and you're listening to it. And uh, I'm like, oh, dude, that is, that's awesome, dude. I, I, I need to get that. And then he'd go home, make you a copy of the tape. And then the next day, be like, oh, here you go. You know, it's all handwritten and shit, you know, the songs on the, on the little list on the front and stuff like that. 
Yeah. And then you had you're like, yeah, and then you had the tape. And yeah, it it's that total that that there is a a, a visceral response to to having a phys- physical media. Uh, you know, and and yeah, with music, I mean, even for me, like there is times where I miss the sounds of vinyl. There is that that imperfection in the sound of of vinyl that that has a certain connection for me that I remember hearing, you know, music with the little pops and the crackles and stuff like that. It just No, I know what you're talking about because tape for me had a hiss. It had like a it has a hum to yes, it. Yes, yes. You know, and I, I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I you can hear it sometimes when someone's trying to make like trying to be cute with the filters and shit. Mm-hmm. And and you're like, what? Like it it's almost like my brain instantly is like, oh shit! Like we're here with some real shit, you know. And it's like it's so funny. Like you, it's definitely more noticeable with vinyl though, with the cracks and pops and stuff like that. But there's this steady hum yeah. with um with tape that is gone now. Yeah, and it's sad. <laughs> Music's too perfect. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's too clean in a lot of instances. And for some some things, you know, it's fine. You know, I'm not saying you. You know, I'm not sitting here going the music in my day. There's, there is a certain response, and I think that in a lot of instances, is a certain nostalgia that goes with it when you're hearing, like, you know, uh, you know, hearing a tape, a cassette tape, you know, or even just the the high pitch hum when it's rewinding, you know, and then it stops. When it stops, you hear the button snap, you know, when the when the tape's finished rewinding, you know, yeah. and, and things like that. Um, but that's also you know, when you're dealing with digital, digital, the digital media is designed to last forever. You know, it's not designed to ever, you know, snap or, you know, uh, warp or pages tear and book binders start falling apart. That's why you get new media, you new, you new devices to, to listen to that, that old media. But, you know, in the end, and this was something that started coming about when, and kind of hit my mind when I was listening to, uh, when we did the Stadia and the, uh, Apple Arcade is somebody said a comment ago. Great, so now we're just completely introducing uh, uh, digital media. We're physically going to be getting away from actual physical games because of their streaming games. You know, no downloads. You're actually not even going to have a game to download anymore. You know, it's going to be on their servers and stuff like that. So there's, you're going to pay to have access to a game. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of true. Like Stadia is is cool and all, but yeah, you're gonna have to pay for that. But if you're not downloading any game and you're just paying to have access to it, you know, so it comes down to like, are you paying for a membership or are you gonna pay for an actual game? Because if you're paying for a game and you don't actually have a game, there I kind of have a problem. I think the biggest thing that pisses me off with the whole digital games is that you've completely erased the need for distribution, physical distribution, yet the price hasn't gone down. Yes, that too. I'm like you, slick motherfuckers. I, <laughs> your profit margin just shot all the way up. Yeah, because now you're not paying for you're not making the disc. You're not paying for the cover art. You're not paying for the case. You know, you're not paying for that plastic shrink wrap. <laughs> you know, or even even fucking marketing. Yeah, market marketing is not physical anymore. Yeah, it's all digital marketing. You know what I mean? And it's it's like and a lot of it's there's a lot more word of mouth with music now. Yeah, because they've mastered word of mouth. Like they know how to kind of hit with one area and then it, it spreads to everybody else but i mean you know whatever whatever we we should have known this was going to happen you can see it happening even back in the 80s well, like 
it goes to tape and now then it goes to cd so as soon as music was digital that's when you should see it slipping away when we could start downloading it on the computer and stuff or uploading to the computer yeah because right. once it became digital in that realm and i and i think a lot of us and they're streaming things because they themselves cannot completely control the product anymore right and for me like i guess i could say i see i saw it coming but at the same thing, I think in the back of my mind, I always thought, but there would be a way to digitally buy it. Like video, like movies are the only things I really digitally buy. You know, I, I, I mean, not digitally, I mean, physically buy. And, and for me, I like the, and for me, it's, it's a specific thing. It's like, I like having an actual library. I like, like, I like looking like I have the library of Congress in my room. You and know? he does. And I do. I really do. Like, there's a lot of shit that I have on there. Um, but you know, but comics, you know, we go comics. I'm going digital on comics because of room. You know, I just, I don't have the room for it. Or pay subscription service so I can have access to those comics and read whatever the fuck I want. One thing I have a hard, and we all have that one thing, right? One thing I have a hard time going digital is books. Yeah. Like, there's some, to me, there's something about having a book in my hand. And, like, you buy a book and it's fine. And then as you read it, you're stretching out the binding. Right. It's just something with it. There's also that, a smell when you open the un, you right. know, un, unopened I, I book feel, before. I feel I'm not that into what I'm reading when it's on a Kindle. I can see that. Like I just, and it's great. I love the Kindle. I actually traded mine to somebody for some for a fucking office chair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just I don't know. I I never. I have not once in my life finished a book on the Kindle. Hmm. I've started ton of tons of them, but I just lose interest. I don't care anymore. I can see that. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know. There's always something, also something a little, I don't know, sophisticated about carrying a book in your hand, you know? You know, oh, give it, well, you know that's my number one goal. Yeah. Sophistication. <laughs> the licking of the finger to, to, um, to flip right. the page, you know? Or I that crack like of the a, binder when you first open it. Right. You know? I think there's a finality to it for me like once you've closed the book and you're looking at the back cover mm. you have completed that book like there's just something to it like with the kindle it's just like 100 percent. right okay. exactly i know i was just i was about to say that you know when you said that i was thinking yeah when you get to that midpoint of the book you're looking you're like oh i'm halfway through and as you're getting close to the end and then once you get closer when you find yourself passing that halfway point getting to three quarters suddenly you're you're more encouraged to finish it because you know you're close but when you see 75 percent, you're kind of like oh okay 75 percent of what (laughs) i feel you don't feel that way i don't feel that way as much with movies video games or music because movies movies and as a medium movies and music are not physical it's visual and, and auditory i get that video games have always been digital yeah. In some way, shape, or form. You you just have the, the bit, game bit, 16-bit, 64-bit, whatever. Right. Yeah. But books have been around for thousands of years. Like, and they're, they're a physical thing. You know, you could find a, you could be in a bookstore, like a used bookstore, and find a book that was, that was printed in the 1800s. <laughs> you know, like just crazy shit like right. that. You know what I mean? And I think it's, um... I don't know. I think that's the thing with me. Like, I just, I just don't, I just can't connect to a book that's digital. Magazines and shit, ah, fucking, who cares? 
Like, I actually signed up for the free trial that Apple News Plus. Oh, yeah. So I've been reading magazine articles. It works pretty good. It was fucked up the first couple of weeks, but then they, they sorted it out. Yeah, that's it's always a, what's going to happen. It's been crashing. And stuff, but it was a, it's pretty awesome. Hmm. Tons of magazines, yeah. dude. You know. <laughs> so anyway, that's 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 neither now now I'm an advocate. <laughs> right. You know, but um well magazines are gonna die if they don't go digital, let's be honest. Yeah. They're too fucking expensive. Have you seen the price of a magazine? Oh Jesus, yeah. We're talking like ten bucks. Yeah. I'm like, I can buy two novels for that price. Well and yeah, and the digital pricings become more more economical. Cause like you have like um there was a reason why like everybody was talking about how um, the New York Times and I think it was Washington Post didn't sign up with uh, Apple Plus, and they said it's because of Apple's harsh revenues. Like they get fifty percent. Yeah. And then Apple don't play. They yeah. they they're known for that. And uh, you know, like of the total revenue, Apple gets fifty percent of the total revenue, and then the other fifty percent gets divvied out to you know to the the other publications. But they said like with. The New York Times and the Washington Post, they have a high number value and they offer theirs, I think it's 15 bucks a month and they get, you know, daily news. And it's like, you know, they get, they have a tons of subscribers. So why bother? Why, they don't need that. And same thing yeah. with the Washington Post was like, you know, they had, I think it's 35 bucks and they get like, every, they get, a, they get that and like back issues and, and all that stuff. And it's like, for them, it's like, why, why would we do that to ourselves? Why would we shrink our base? who could go over there and pay nine bucks and get all that stuff. And they said even some give limited content. They don't give all of it, you know, which makes sense. Cause if you're only getting a certain percentage, it's like, yeah, but most people are just going to get what they can. And if they don't get it from you, they're going to get it from someone else. Well, and that's really the, the only problem I have with Apple news. And I love Apple news, but the, the problem I have is sometimes you'll click on an article and then it says, pay for the subscription for this particular like yeah. news thing, like Washington Post, something like that. And then you're kind of like, oh, fucking Jesus. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I can't, I can't read the news now. Right. You know, and, and we're, we're getting to a time now when it comes to the newspaper that, and I'm fully on board with supporting a newspaper Yeah. because I feel newspapers are important in general, that just form of journalism, not maybe not printing a newspaper, but just that form of true journalism is important. Um, but you're, it almost, you almost can't get a, um, you can't cross reference anymore because you need to have, you're going to pick a paper and pay for it. You're not going to pay for fucking four papers. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, which one do you pick? Yeah. You know, which is the most, they're all a little bit biased. The the big major ones are not majorly biased, but they're like the New York Times, Washington Post. They're all lean a little bit somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. I was thinking about paying for the Times again. Yeah, I was thinking of paying for the L.A. Times here. Like that would be something. That, like the L.A. Times has fallen into the left. <laughs> like it's all the way in there. Yeah, no, but I'm just kidding. It, the LA the LA Times is actually a really good paper. But it's it's funny too because like the local newspaper, the Daily News here, has fallen way to the right. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like so it's nice I'll just balance, I'll just go to know? social media, you know. <laughs> if I no, the, the LA Times, the LA Times, um, and I used to read it when I lived in LA. Really good paper, you know. It's it's a little more, and rightfully so. Uh, I used to tell people, or I told my grandfather. My grandfather used to love the newspaper, and I said the LA Times is an artsy. New York Times, yeah, like modern arts, yeah, like you would you'd be reading about 
what the president did the next page you're reading about some graffiti art display <laughs> you know because it's you know it's the paper for the neighborhood it's in right you know what i mean and i i always i always like the la times the day the daily news or whatever uh is that what it was called yeah, yeah trash yeah the paper was good 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 garbage okay mm-hmm. and we have you know we have every state <laughs> has, has a good paper and a shit paper exactly all right so finally tonight uh this one uh this here i have to throw this out first i thank you to my friend peter basson who who tagged me in uh on facebook to this article because well he has a certain they have my friends have a certain image of re imagery of me and thought that I would be interested in this. And once you read it, Adam will know exactly why I was interested in this. So sorry for bringing it up again, but can you imagine watching Avengers Endgame in the cinematic sensory paradise was my first thought until I realized the 5D cinema in question, which has opened its doors in Amsterdam, is going to be screening exclusively pornographic films. Damn right. Nestled in Amsterdam's red light district, the cinema aims to com- uh, complement X-rated films by stimulating every single one of the audience members' senses oh. while watching porn. Owner Natalie insists that the por- insists the pornographic picture house, dubbed simply 5D porn, creative, uh, is somewhere you can take your loved ones. She told mm-hmm. Dutch Review, "Quote." We are definitely not just going after tourists for our audience. It's funny because in Amsterdam, even the Dutch people have an interest in breaking free from the norm. Come, come with your wife, have a laugh, try something different. Have, your, uh, have you been to an amusement park? It's kind of like that. We are really satisfied with it. Everyone is welcome to try the experience. Lots of things happen so fast when you're in, when you're in the audience that when it's finally all over, you're left energized. You want to go get back out there, have a beer or a coffee and talk and process what just happened, end quote. The a lot of things she speaks of includes water jets and air cannons, a 3D em, uh, enabled screen and seats that can move in time with the show. It's unclear how they will satisfy the fourth and fifth senses of smell and taste, but the less said about them, the better, don't you think? In fact, Natalie said any rumor of scent Scents or fragrances being included are untrue. She and added, "Someone just made this made this up. So maybe not for those of anal fe- uh, nasal fetishes." <laughs> and then, the cinema located in Dewalen opened on March 30th with and will be screening films made exclusively for the theater in collaboration with Kim Holland, who Natalie dubs a big name in this industry. As many as 18 people at a time can be in one screening of the films, which are apparently quite expensive to make, so only a few are put into production, filmed, and screened in at 5D porn. Meanwhile, the municipality of Amsterdam has forbidden large groups of tourists from entering the red light district as of January 2020, arguing sex workers shouldn't be equated to tourism. If the sex museum and cinema route isn't your bag, well, the parks are lovely at this time of year, FYI. I just, I want to (laughs) know what the water jets are supposed to be showing. Like, this whole situation just sounds gross. And how do we know it's water? I don't want to sound like a prude, but fuck, you know what I mean? 
When does it end, you know? Oh, look at Adam. He loves it. He laughs. (laughs) Like, if you're showing me something on a screen, and then at the right time, shoot a water jet at me, my brain is going to associate what I'm seeing with that water jet. And I'm not going to want to go have a coffee and talk about it. I want to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) You're going to go home into a shower and just sit there water running all over you i'm gonna go home and apologize to my <laughs> wife you know <laughs> i just i don't know man oh my i God. don't know and then they're saying five senses but then she goes there's no fragrance I'm like, okay well you're missing a sense <laughs> right so right from the jump you're fucking lying oh my god i want to know how and this i don't want to know how taste gets incorporated <laughs> either and the seat motion i'm like what are we doing here <laughs> It re- and you know what's sad is it? Re- you know what I think it's really gonna be? What? It's gonna be that fucking ride that they had at Disneyland. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was the. You were like, I think it was Stuart Little. I don't remember, <laughs> but I went when I was a kid, and it had like air jets, and and it would simulate stuff running around by your feet, and oh, the yeah, seats yeah, would yeah, move yeah. and stuff like that. It's gonna be that. It's just gonna be that. <laughs> With porn. That's all it's going to be. Can you imagine this podcast in 5D? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I don't even want to be in it. I'm, I'm recording it. I don't even want to be in it in 5D. Um, I mean, more power to them. Right. I hope they have a good time. That's definitely something I would skip. But then I also... Just letting keeping... just, just letting you know, I've already booked my flight for Amsterdam, so <laughs> right. I'll let you guys know. <laughs> they're keeping tourists away from the red light district? Isn't that revenue? I think they're reducing the amount of... I think they're reducing. I think a lot of people go there to. I'm I'm assuming it's probably large groups here, like tourists, like those just going to take pictures. Yeah, and and like you know groups where they're like you know where they haul in like a a bunch of them because I think that's probably what is. Oh, let's see the red light district. Yeah, we take this tour of like 80 people, and you know what I bet it is too is I've heard that in Amsterdam, the local culture there is they don't they're not disrespectful to sex workers. Mm -mm. They treat them like human beings. Yeah. But you're gonna have people like from America <laughs> or from places where sex work sex work is illegal. Right. They treat them like a commodity. Yeah. Like you're just an ends to a mean. You're not a human being. Right. You know. And I think that's prob that that's probably a big issue over there. I'm just making an assumption, but I'm 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 gonna guess. Well, you're gonna see you know people from America be like, <laughs> look at that. Oh my god. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Being immature. Being dumb. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our episode for this week. Five D and all. Thanks for joining. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. If you want to help us out, there are two ways you can. One, you can leave us a review wherever you get the show. Recommend the show to friends. Uh, you know, please review. It helps get a, get our name out there. And and plus, we like you know we like the attention. Or two, yeah. if you really want to help us out, you can donate. You can head over to lazygeeks.com and click our donate button and uh, and uh, go ahead and leave uh, you know leave some ducats there. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thelazygeeks. Twitter and Instagram are both at thelazygeeks, one word. And you can send us feedback, comments, suggestions for episodes, your favorite conspiracy theories or sex working stories. <laughs> or what you would like to see in the 5D exper- experience. No. 60. You know? <laughs> how would you like, to, um, how would you like the, the smell and taste part? <laughs> Maybe 5D just stands for five dicks and they just fly at you. <laughs> they, come out, they come out from an overhead compartment and just smack your forehead. <laughs> Right. <laughs>
send any of that to the geeks at the lazy geeks.com. Oh, man. All right. If you want more content of this 5D free, uh, just head over to the blog, the lazy So thanks for checking us out. Until next time, live large. If you ain't living large, you ain't living at all. Mm-hmm.